Welcome to the second episode of the TWM Real Estate Podcast. Today we have Anne-Marie Chalou, Group Commercial Asset Manager with Unpost, uh, who's going to talk to us about her role in Unpost, the strategy around sustainability for Unpost, and just general general comments on their portfolio and, and strategy going forward. So thank you, Anne-Marie, for attending and being our guest on this second episode. Thanks for the invite, Sean. You're welcome. <laughs> And we've known each other for quite a while, so you've been, I've worked with you in various different iterations of your career. So just thought for, for people out there, you might just fill us in on, on how you've come to the, the lofty role that you now occupy. Oh, lofty. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, Sean, we actually met back in Tesco days when we were looking to extend one of our stores at Sloan Golden Island at the time. Many years That's ago. That's many years ago, yeah. a lot of hair dye ago. <laughs> um, and actually, I was just thinking about it over the weekend. We actually went on to sell that together. So she's fantastic. And we're still talking. We're doing well. Um, Many successes. Many Many successes. successes. Many successes. Thanks very much for having me on. I'm privileged that you asked, to be honest. And often you're asked to come on one of these. Um, Yeah, so I'm Group Commercial Asset Manager from Post. I am delighted to be there, to be honest. I suppose I've over 20 years experience in property at this stage. um, Various different areas of property like retail, service, logistics now, I am um, telecoms from cradle to grave really, really from the acquisition development right through the property management, asset management, facilities, maintenance, sale and disposal and all that jazz. So I actually love what I do. I love property. And it's actually amazing over the over the few years as I see it now, um, the changes that we've that we've gone through in property. So when I actually met Peter and David in on post and saw what these guys wanted to do and the transformation journey that they're on actually really wanted to be a part of it I am mm. um, so we were a huge transformation journey that we're already on part of it is a move in terms of our office and we moved the second quarter this year we'll be moved into the exo down um, north north wall and that's really exciting fantastic building I am um, and then we actually look at our operational model and we actually look what I didn't know before I joined the company was that it's actually split into two we've a retail finance area and we have logistics so we have both and they're both inter inter um and i suppose it's, i suppose it's one of the things we look at on post particularly over the last few years you, you know it was a postal service and now it's a logistics company so yeah. it's it's completely changed just it's just in a very short space of time as to what it actually does it's changed it's changed the retail side has changed in that we've more finance services in it as well um, so when you go into the, your post office there's so many different services there and on top of that our whole logistics area has changed like COVID exacerbated what we knew was going to happen we knew volumes of parcels were going to grow and over the period of COVID like it doubled Every day, every week, it was phenomenal. And out of that, we knew that our strategy and where we were going to was happening quicker. So we needed to get moving quicker. So if I'm honest, the first year in on post was dare I use the phrase sticky plaster an interim solution while we set up pipeline for longer term. And that's exactly what we're at. Yeah, but I suppose one of the the impacts of COVID, like it, it's impacted on many different sectors in different ways. But for on post and the logistics sector, it's been transformative phenomenal yeah phenomenal. Like, I mean, it's really really kind of pushed things on probably 10 20 years as to where it would have been without COVID maybe am I right in saying that it has we actually had a strategy a piece of work completed well actually before I joined on post um, it was completed and it probably had a 10 year lifespan on it where growth was was, was really going to come I am um, that's 
gone. Let's just be honest. <laughs> and I even find myself like far more online. Now, in fairness, I don't say that as the detriment of the high street. The high street and strong stores will still exist, obviously, but there's just more of a tendency to, gro- to go online. And we see that in our growth of our packages. We're not the only ones. Our competitors are the same. Mm. We have the unique position in the market is that we have letters, obviously, and parcels as well as, yeah. as the rest. And even, I suppose, looking back on your previous role, like Tesco and that, that grocery supermarket sector is also one of the main beneficiaries of, of COVID. If oh you gosh, if you want to right use that through word. COVID. But in, in terms of the your role and, and the differences, and there's quite, there is probably a lot of similarities is there, between a supermarket, you know, deliver, like, I mean, the way that, that business has been transformed and on post as well. It's all about customers. Mm. It's all about your estate and your operations meeting customers' needs. I suppose for Tesco, it's more customer-facing in that your customers come into your store, whereas we deliver to our customers. Mm. And then when we can't deliver, they come to collect from our, from our facilities. But we also do have that client-facing element, the retail element of it. So it's, it's very easy for outside of OnPost to think of OnPost as just one. But actually, there are two dynamic businesses working within one. Mm. That makes sense. So we look after our customers face to face in our retail offices. And then on the logistics side, we ensure that they have what, what they've ordered on time and in good repair. And in, in terms of your own role, and I suppose looking at if you look at the on post portfolio, it's hugely diverse. It's all over the country. It's. Um, you know, probably properties that have been inherited from the Department of Posts and Telegraph Poles, as they used to call it. So, like, I mean, how do you how do you manage that portfolio, or what? How 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 is your role in 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 terms of meeting the objective of the business with such a diverse portfolio? Well, part of the on post transformation, it, we actually need to get to a place where we're a sustainable, profitable business, successfully delivering a new world of e-commerce and those financial services while ensuring we impact positively on society. We're in a unique position that we can do that. We have a portfolio of very old, listed to fairly modern to very modern buildings. And in that, inherent in that, um, are issues, I suppose, all of these estates take money to maintain, to upgrade, um, to replace, to enhance, to extend, etc. So it's it's quite akin to the Tesco world in that, um, except we do have some of our older buildings are quite old. What we have done, sustainability is part of our core. So what I've come in to do is look at property in a different way. Sustainability, I'm sure you've heard of circular economy. Everybody has in the supply chain world. But if we actually look at it in the property world, it's reuse, recycle, redevelop. So what we've done is what, and what we'll continue to do is we obviously know where we want to go in the logistics world. It is more packages than letters. And for that, we need to make sure that our properties are fit for purpose, both the existing and new. But equally, we have a retail estate, which is quite the buildings are dated. The offer isn't. The buildings are. You could have buildings from the start of the state where, yes, quite rightly, we would have been in it with air or post and telegraph um, and we diverged and we have the rest of the building left. In some of those instances, those buildings are empty. 
maybe not not being used for best purpose. We want to maintain a presence. So if I use an example like Andrew Street, um, the end of last year, we did a sale and lease back on Andrew Street last year. We maintained our presence on, at grade and we actually sold the building and entered into a lease at grade. So we could continue on with our offering and our presence, um, but it was actually a better use for the building overhead. So it's an efficient use of the building to bring back value both to the business and not undermine our business, but to enhance our business. But also, it's Andrew Street. It's the middle of Dublin. There's a better use than us using it for ancillary. And that's been, back <coughs> I suppose, in, in the property market and the economy in general, that's been one of the the big underutilised parts of the property market, isn't it? The, you know, the, the, there was schemes brought in like the living over the shop scheme the, for tax breaks, but it's never really taken off. But it has become it has come back on the agenda again now. People are just looking up and upper floors and all these retail streets and wonder why aren't we using them? But and that's it's a great the right example. Thing to do it really is. Like if you actually look at most of our real estate, uh, our retail real estate, they're on main streets in regional towns, and they're fantastic buildings. Now it may be that we're not developers to develop them out, and. All of them, the overheads or the unused space may not be ideal for different uses, but that's what we're here to do, to look at them, to do feasibility on them. What alternative uses? Now, in all of those cases, we want to retain our presence, but there there is value that we can bring to our business to make it more operationally efficient and to bring value in through the properties either through regear or sale and leaseback, whatever. Um, and we can do that by looking at them and assessing different use feasibility. We've not done that before. Mm. Now we've disposed or we've done little bits here and there, but we're specific. I'm specifically in to do this. Like we make submissions on all, every development plan in the country if the, if there's one of our facilities is located in environs, welcoming development and also ensuring that our operations aren't impacted. So you're like a an enabler, I suppose, in some ways, because you have these buildings. They haven't, this kind of initiative hasn't really taken off, but this is something that can, you, you see, can continue. Yes, I am. Um in many different forms, I suppose St. Leesback is only one example. Redevelop or partnerships or whatever, that's another example. Mm. Um, but definitely, that's the beauty of property. I think anybody that's been in it for years, if you, to- if you told me this when I was starting out, I would say, Jeannie Mac, what are you saying? But the beauty of property is that it's an enabler for any business. And it's how you can make that flexible without undermining your, your operations. It's actually to enhance your operations. Yeah. Um, so that it, like what you actually find in some estates where you have older properties, Janie Mac, the money that it takes to maintain these, for what? Yeah. Just, just to keep them from leaking, say. When, there, when somebody else that actually can develop these properly and can have a decent use and a use that, that actually enhances that streetscape or that area. Why not look at it? Like, I mean, one of the things I looked up your website, because one of the things that on post is known for is a strategy around sustainability. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's the the objective is to be the first postal service in the world to attain zero emissions across six major cities. It's on track to achieve 50% carbon emissions re- reduction by 2025 and net zero carbon by 2030. In in a, such a diverse portfolio, I know you mentioned the circular economy and all that. But in such a diverse portfolio, what are the what are the quick wins or the easy things that can be done to get you towards that strategy from a property point of view? Quick wins, <laughs> property. <laughs> Place to change the light bulbs or something. <laughs> well, I'm sure see, it's more more complicated than that. We see that's the gas part, Sean. And I actually look at it and think sustainability. Not to use the phrase buzzword, but everybody is talking about it now, right? 
sustainability isn't new. Like, if you actually look back, oh gosh, 2008, Tesco actually built the first passive house accredited store in Tremor. Mm. We put in Swinford, this fantastic timber frame in Swinford, and still standing, that's mm. 2010. Um, and then you have Kinnegad, equally 2010. Dundalk was, we actually completely demolished and rebuilt that, that shopping centre. And for that, we were so conscious of carbon emissions, moving materials, etc., off-site reuse, recycle, etc. Like, sustainability isn't new. Like a lot of companies have been on this trail and maybe put on the brakes, maybe a wee bit er early to see what way is this actually going. But it's actually, it's phenomenal how much of of an impact it's taken now, how much of an interest there is now, both for end user and for financiers. Mm. You you see that in your in your <coughs> yeah. own your own area. It's it's phenomenal. Like for on post, we've been following the UN SDGs for a number of years now, so it's not new for us. But we're we're a good way on that journey. We're here for the good of generations to come. I am um, like David McRedman has has a great phrase that um that our heads are in the future, but our feet are in the present. And we're actually we're we're in we act for the common good now and for generations to come. EXO is part of that. But also, as we actually look at our strategy and look at where we want to get to with our logistics side and our retail estate, sustainability is core heart of that. Part of our transformation, again, on sustainability, part of that, that transformation is actually our upcoming move to the EXO. I was going to ask you about that in terms of it's a good segue into the sustain, <laughs> sustainable and your move, sustainability and your move. Uh, your office HQ move so you couldn't be going from a, a more different base so you're going from one of the most historic buildings in the state the GPO into one of the newest buildings in the state the EXO building which is a high profile skyscraper effectively at the entrance of Dublin yeah, so, mm. we're not taking so, it all <laughs> so it couldn't be more different so like, I mean how how's that going to work in terms of um, your, your business and, and, and the effectiveness of your business the EXO is a phenomenal building. It's just at the start of the city. Obviously, EXO is skeletal. Um, that, that's where it comes from. Um, when, we're, when we were looking to move sustainability and our people, not in that order, but people and sustainability um, are key. So without knowing that COVID was coming, let's just be honest, there are a few factors that were obviously essential. So... Sustainability is one. The building is LEED Platinum accredited. Like it's a fantastic building built to the highest modern sustainable standards will achieve our vision of what we want people to achieve within that building. So for what, what do we want from it? Modern, agile, flexibility, all those buzzwords, but we actually mean it. Tech-enabled mobility, efficient planning and design standards in a sustainable design and, and practice we need to bring our people together. Um, this is a fantastic place to bring them together. I don't know if, how you found hybrid working or remote working over COVID, but personally, I actually found maybe a bit difficult at the start, but then you actually become more accountable for your time and more responsible for your time. And what I actually find now coming out of COVID and into hybrid working, I actually find the days that I'm in the office, they're in-person meetings, interactive, collaborative, 
people centric. And then the days that I'm either on the road or I'm working from home, that's different. What we actually want to achieve in the EXO is a space for people to come to collaborate, to mix, to work, to for innovation mm. to flow. And in it, I think open space or uh, open plan is maybe a bit neat to use now. But we have lots of different flexible working areas and working spaces, collaboration spaces, multifunctional spaces. But it's actually it's a fantastic space. The views are phenomenal. Not that that's <laughs> what we're there for, but the views are phenomenal. But it's actually a lovely modern Somewhere that you like I think you said it to me before that it's it's somewhere where people want to go to. Like yeah. I mean, they feel <clears throat> they want to get into work, they and it's a, a space that they feel they can collaborate in, that it's it's you know, it's a nice place to be. Exactly. A pleasant experience where you have a different variety of places to work. So you could come in the morning and maybe it's it's your normal office space or meeting space. Then by afternoon we have a fantastic library space where maybe you need to concentrate in that presentation or something, you can use that for it. Or or you have a team meeting and there are a few different multifunctional spaces where you, where you can have those. Um, so we're ready to move into that environment and what better place for innovation to flow? Like we're like we have such an opportunity. And I suppose it's a big statement, isn't it, to move from such a, a such a kind of a historic building, older building that probably doesn't have that, you know, those green <laughs> credentials to move straight into a, the most one of the most modern buildings in town. And on top of that, it actually shows that our people and our customers are the centre, the core of what we do. Our customer care service centre is actually based in the heart of the building. So that yeah. that yeah. that will just tell you that that's what's our core. We, we haven't forgotten our customers and our people are uber important. And for people to want to come in to meet others, to collaborate, fantastic space to do that in. And one of, one of the things about Unpust is, is effectively now, it's as I said earlier, it's a logistics company. Mm-hmm. So we're helping you and TWM we're helping you out in terms of finding a new logistics hub which will be almost 400,000 square feet which again I think is another transformative event for the company um, you might just explain how, how that will impact on, on how on post will work It's a key part of our infrastructure for logistics I um, the intention will be that that'll be a logistics hub and we'll be able to process as much as we can from there out to our DSUs. So at the minute we have 113 DSUs, they're delivery service units um, of varying size, shapes, makes, models um, based on their age. And that's what I meant by looking at their stra- our strategy going forward of what, what our estate looks like. So when we talked about the, the estate and the age of it or the modernity of it, some aren't quite there. Um, so it'll give us the ability to work on that entire part of the estate to either bring it to a standard or to replace with new. And I say that because there are two elements to the DSU network, to the logistics network. One is a retrofitting programme and the other is a replacement programme. Replacement 2018 for any semi-state company, um, all new buildings into the estate had to be 10 Zeb standard. And Zeb, obviously, as you know, is built on energy um, usage. And you look at that coming into the estate and any of our new buildings, and then you actually look at our existing estate, that has to be upgraded. Only in my own opinion, I actually think as a country, we need to look more at that, at retrofitting. 
I um, we started a biodiversity um, and concept property um, project last year, and we took two of the DSUs and assessed what we need to do to bring to a certain rating. It's not a one size fits all. Um, and I'd actually love to see more in the industry, more work around that. We're not we're not alone or unique in it. Um, other developers, other businesses, etc., have the same concerns. I'd say, and probably same, you know, issues that there isn't an awful lot of information out there. You're really starting from scratch. I'd love to see more about around that, where retrofitting won't always work, won't always give you what you want, and maybe you will have to go new. But equally. All new buildings, that's not the solution either. Yeah, well, I suppose it's, it's like with the office buildings, it's the big debate now is about the carbon footprint of, of development. So if you if you knock down an old building to build a new building, you know, that's probably, it, well, the thoughts are that's not the most sustainable thing to do anymore. So people are looking more at, at refurb. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose in, in, in the logistics side, it's probably easier because if you're building a new building, it's probably on a greenfield site. But the, there is that, that aspect that you're talking about there of, of refitting and you know making older buildings more sustainable one of the things I was going to say is that when you look at your estate and when you look at the industrial market in, in general I, I did industrial agency many many years ago and I just remember going through old Bockerty old estates with potholes and you know r- r- trying to pull up the old roller shutter doors on a wet winter afternoon but what seems to be happening now is that the the, these industrial estates, in order to get more sustainable, are becoming more like what would, what you would see as a business park with, you know, green areas, outside gyms, you know, all sorts of stuff. So what, what's, what's your experience in terms of, of all of, of how the logistics estates are going to work in the future? Well, it's actually phenomenal what we've seen through the search for our large box, to be honest. And quite rightly, when I started out, industrial estates were exactly that. And you're happy to get mm. in, but happy enough to leave. <laughs> I am. Um, what we actually find now um, are even the industrial estates and even going to the buildings. The buildings, I don't know if you've been into a glue lamb, um, timber framed building, but they actually emit a different vibe. That's not waffle. I don't really do waffle. But colleagues actually prefer to work in it. it it's actually a nicer environment. Well, we find colleagues, old and new, they stand for a company and they're quite loyal and they love working for a company and, that, and what that company stands for. More companies are down are looking down the sustainability route. We're in an enviable place where we can and we're semi-state and we can. Um, others, maybe they're late to to the party, but we've come on leaps and bounds in these industrial estates like um, they are phenomenal places to work and people will actually opt to work there. Um, we're a bit unique in our in our business in that we have quite a lot of office space within our units. So for us, it's actually great to see that. Yeah. I um, may put me under a bit of pressure on some of the older estates <laughs> that they come up to the same standard as well. But I um, it'll be interesting to see as, say, those new estates come online and as you see new green leases and service charge and all that, it'll be very interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, well, I think it's it, it, there'll they'll, they'll probably be a, a, a kind of a, a raise the bar um, impact. So these new, new estates will bring, you know, 
and I, I'm amazed just going through the process with you in terms of the new logistics hub, the, the standard that people are trying to achieve, not just in terms of the buildings, but in terms of the environment around the buildings is incredible. So yeah. I think that will it will raise the bar quite a lot. I think that will actually put more pressure on older <clears> estates, to yeah. be honest, and say any investment or as as funds by older estates, I actually think, and you, we are seeing it, there is more investment into the sustainability criteria around it um, that's actually good to see happen. Um, it's it's um, organic. That kind of fits in with your on post sustainability strategic objectives. Mm-hmm. That you know, and and it's, uh, one of the things is that the, the the partnership then for you as a company um, will be an ideal tenant for some of the investment funds out there because the investment funds are under the same pressure yeah. to to you know to be sustainable to invest in sustainable buildings. So if they have a tenant with that same mindset, that makes life a lot easier for them as well going forward. And that I think that will actually help or it'll actually impact. So say lease terms, inducements and all that sort of thing. I think over time that will change. Um, sustainability, if you actually look over the last 10 years and you see the importance that sustainability has now versus 10 years mm. ago, I think that can actually only grow. And that's what <clears throat> that's what I was going to come to is the, the future in terms mm. of trends then going forward. Where do you see trends for, I suppose, sustainability within your business, but also within the property market? Within the property market, I can actually see the existing estate coming to a far higher grade. How that happens, I don't know, because the level of investment that's required in older buildings, but I do think it's essential because at the minute, there's a lack of supply, really. So if you want to do a new NZEB, lead, accredited or BREAM accredited building, there's a wait and you have to go through planning to get that and then to build. Um, I do think there'll be more of an investment in, into R&D on the retrofitting side and that will possibly open up more of those older buildings and then as time goes on then obviously the industrial estates are enhanced. I um, But I, I do think out of that differing materials different type bills will come. I was actually reading an article the other day timber frame isn't new but timber frame in multi-storey um, mm. It's a bit of, oh, really? Um, I, I do think there will be far more investment innovation in that sphere. The glue lamb timber frame, I've always been a fan since we did Swinford back in the day with Tesco. I, I always thought it was fantastic buildings. They look fantastic. Um, I'd actually, I think there's only more and better to come from sustainability. I think we've only started on this journey. Uh, I do know, like I said before, others have been on the journey for quite a while. But where it'll end, I don't know. I do think long, long term, there will have to be a correlation between operations and sustainability. So you have your lead accredited, say, platinum gold, whatever building. I am... and then operations, whatever operation goes in, I think there needs to be more of a partnership between the landowner and the operator, yeah. to and be honest. I suppose that's where the green leases will come in. It and is, it? and it'll, it'll be, be very interesting to see how, for how that pans out, really. It'll yeah. be more like a partnership agreement, a mm. lease agreement. Like, I mean, I, I was explaining to you <clears throat> earlier about a building we had come across where, you know, there was a, there was a, uh, it wasn't as modern a building as we're we talking about now, but it was one where the, the, the BR rating was B and the tenant went in, did their fit out, and I think it ended up at an F or something like that. So, you know, it, it, the, the partnership between landlord and tenant 
will be good for both in terms of a tenant getting their operations right on their sustainability objectives and then from a from a value point of view the landlord will get a better 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 uh, investment deal for the building because of of the sustainability of the tenant as well as just the building itself um and the other kind of trends i think the green leases was was it was one that's taking off I, you know you see that more and more now but you know, it's it's still in its early stages. I think it as well. is really to see how that pans out. Um, so how the interaction between landlord tenant actually works, and when when it comes down to it, if there is an impact on operations, how is that seen, or how is that counteracted, or whatever? I think that that'll be a real eye opener for people how that actually works. I um, I do think a partnership. Um, and say green lease partner slash partnership slash lease term. Um. I I do think that will cha- that will change. I um, it's always been you'll have a twenty twenty five year lease IRI FRI lease or whatever. But I do think there'll be more of maybe an ownership pattern or a percentage pattern mm. in those going forward. These NZ buildings or lead accredited buildings they're expensive buildings to build in the first place. A lot of users will have their own specifics. So say for us our specifics we operate lots of fans, HGVs, etc. So we are we have a we have a larger requirement for EV charging points, etc. And as a result, EV or electricity load. Like each end operator will have their own differences. Yeah. Um so it'll be interesting to see how that pans. Yeah. Okay, I think we've covered quite an amount of of uh, subject matter in that conversation. Um, I'd like to thank you, Anne-Marie, for, for taking part. Um, your passion for property has come through very strongly in our conversation. And uh, I look forward to um, being at the housewarming party down in Exo building when it opens in the next few weeks. Let's see if it's a windy evening or not. <laughs> I'm going to go out onto that roof garden. <laughs> Thanks very much, Sean, for the opportunity. Thanks, Mill. Thanks for listening to the TWM Real Estate Podcast. We hope you found it of interest. You can find this on our website, twmproperty.ie and anywhere else that you get your podcasts.